Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Roberts. And as always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Roberts. And here on the Game Week Monday edition of The Yard. Man, it's been such a long, hot, and dry, and rainy, and miserable, and lonely summer. It has been. I didn't get to take a beach trip like all you folks did. I've been busy. I'd love to be able to go to the beach. But the reality of it is, it's uh, now football season. A lot to talk about, for sure. And uh, many of you are making your plans to tailgate. You're kind of getting things figured out and thinking, okay, well, who are we going to invite and how much food are we going to bring? And do we have enough sunscreen? Do we have enough cold beer? You know, you're getting all that figured out. The time for the honeydew list is over, Mom. So the reality of it is, is that uh, we're focused our, our energy now on what's coming up. i tell you real quickly, too, if you're, if you're thinking about MSU-related events, l- let me just give you a quick little thing here, too. So if you're not traveling to Kentucky, I am, but if you're not, there's going to be an event at Davis Wade Stadium, a game party type deal. that They call it a tailgate. It's not. It's going to be in the stadium club. It's for uh, Palmer Home. If you're familiar with that, you'll know what I'm talking about. But the reality of it is the fourth annual Mississippi State tailgate for Palmer Home is going to take place the same day as the Kentucky game. It's going to be you know, time to be announced because you're going to watch a game there. Sponsored by S&P Southeast Marketing, Marketing and Edmondson Farms. Hosted in the Gridiron Club in the north end zone of Davis Wade Stadium. Going to have lots of food and fun everything else there. For more information about that, visit palmerhome.org forward slash MSU tailgate. Or once you get there at Palmer Home, you'll find it. Now, it's going to be a fundraiser. You can get involved. You can uh, throw some money in their direction. Of course, uh, they do a great job taking care of uh, you know, many young people around, around our state. And uh, there's going to be a competition between us and Ole Miss, and we don't want to lose that. So if you're not making the trip to Kentucky to watch the Bulldogs play, you, you can get together and congregate with other Bulldog fans and enjoy the game together. That's a cool thing for a great call. So check it out. Go to palmerhome.org, and uh, I'll tweet out some information. Of course, that's still, you know, several weeks away. I just kind of want to make you mindful of that. Now, something else that's a few weeks away, uh, basically four weekends away, of course, is Rock Vegas. I want to give you a quick update before we get into some football stuff today. Uh, Tickets for Rock Vegas went on sale Friday. Maybe you've heard me talk about this. It's been all over my social media. We're trying to promote this show. Uh, We're nearing 50% capacity already and so we expect to sell out of course we still got time to uh, to sell tickets and uh, mezzanine level ticketing is completely sold out 
So now it's lower level seating. I hate to call it floor because there is some places to sit downstairs. Uh, but floor level seating still available. You can uh, find that on my social media or go to eventbrite.com and you can find there. Just, you know, just Google Rock Vegas tickets or again, find me on Facebook or Twitter. If you need it, I'll send it to you. Uh, Lillian Axe is our headliner. The guys are currently on their way back from the UK. They did seven dates over there, finished up with a big festival uh, over there, headed back, and they'll be in Minnesota soon, and then uh, they're going to be with us. And uh, Steve Blaze even talked about our show on his live yesterday. They were kind of finishing up there uh, in London. So Lillian Axe, four-way stop and twist. That's two up-and-coming Mississippi rock bands. Uh, that'll be in attendance too. It's going to be a great night. Again, all the proceeds, every dime of ticket sales, merchandising sales, official merchandising sales goes directly to the Bulldog Initiative. And so that's to help further our NIL efforts. So maybe you have uh, not been involved in that. Maybe you've kind of been scared of it. Well, here's, here's something cool. Come to the show, and even if you can't make it to the show, you can contribute by buying a ticket, maybe gifting it to a student or some friends that perhaps uh, uh, need a night out. I want to share with you guys, too, just real quickly, uh, a few people that have helped make this event possible. I think it's important that uh, these people be recognized, not just you know at the show or on our shirts and things like that, but uh, I want to throw this out here because there are a lot of people that wanted to be involved, and I'll be honest with you, I have not had to ask for anything. I've had people seeking me out to be involved in all this. And so uh, let me share with you again, Big River Rental of Canton, Mississippi. If you're looking for uh, equipment rental, that's the way to go right there. Big time Bulldog folks there. Uh, Austin Voller and the Voller Law Firm of Starkville, also very involved with us. Campus Bookmark, you shouldn't be surprised there. Discount Building Materials, Todd and Jennifer doing a great job down there. Look for them when you get ready to do your home improvement projects. Harvey's, of course, the legendary restaurant here in town. Portico, the place where you should move. Resilient Life Counseling uh, of Starkville. Security Technology Supply. You can find them, too. If you have information about them or you need information, reach out. Let me know. Soul Recovery, also here of Starkville, doing a great job helping people uh, work through recovery and chemical dependency issues. Uh, The Bellsmith, your friend, the Bellsmith, also part of our, uh, our, our conglomerate here. And then William Wells Tire and Auto. They've done a lot of work on my vehicles over the years. You know, unfortunately, sometimes car repairs are part of life. Go with somebody you trust. It's William Wells Tire and Auto. So so there you go. Those are our sponsors for Rock Vegas. So please throw some business their way. How about that? People that are trying to help us bring rock back to Starkville and make Mississippi uh, rock uh, again. All right, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Very, very happy to partner with them. It's been a great relationship for me it's one of those things too i can always count on when i go in there maybe it's been a long day you know maybe i've had a stressful day maybe i just want to sit down and have a nice meal and maybe stare at my phone for a few minutes and just kind of relax and just kind of be steve for a little bit i know that i can do that at bulldog burger company i'm going to get a great meal at a great price and great service and a great atmosphere three great locations to serve you university drive here in star vegas if you haven't been here recently you'll be surprised that nice little patio area they have set up there now of course, uh, Lake Harbor Drive down in the Ridge and Flowood area and Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Go by, have the spring rolls as your appetizer. They will make you and everybody around you better looking. And we need the world to be more beautiful. So eat more spring rolls, right? Eat more spring rolls and have that great restaurant quality hamburger as well as uh, 
That BLT salad, I'm probably hankering for that here in the next day or two. Probably go by and have the BLT salad grilled. You may like it fried. I like it grilled with ranch dressing because I'm from South Mississippi. That's a staple of living. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, it's game week. So there's a lot to talk about. Mississippi State recently just uh, gave us their game notes. Let's run through a couple things here, and then uh, we're going to preview the Memphis Tigers a little bit later in the show. Uh, but here is your depth chart, okay? That's, that just hit the inbox, like, right before the show started. Okay, so Will Rogers, of course, no surprise there, is your quarterback. Running backs listed basically all first-teamers. Woody Marks, Dylan Johnson, or Simeon Price. Now, we've talked about Simeon Price a lot in camp, about how I felt like he had become the third running back. Bull Hargrove, of course, still has a role, but I think Price leapt ahead of him on the depth chart. There's an explosiveness with him that I think this offense has kind of lacked at times, especially in a passing game, for the running backs at least. Your ex-receiver, your starting receiver, and all these guys are going to play a lot, right? Ra-Ra Thomas wins the job. And then the second team is Tulu Griffin or Justin Robinson. All three will play. Ra-Ra will be with the first team. Your H receiver, Austin Williams, edges out Jameer Calvin. That shouldn't be a huge surprise there. And, and to be honest with you, I think Austin has had the better camp. Jameer has flashed at times, but um, – you know, maybe not as good as Austin. Left tackle, no surprise to you all, Dollar Bill Johnson, the left tackle. Second team, Percy Lewis. If you if I had told you back in March that would be the case, you would have never believed it, but that's been the reality of it. Left guard is Nick Jones. Nick's a guy we didn't talk an awful lot about last year. Played some, you know, when we needed him to. He has kind of held down that left guard spot throughout camp. Reed buys. Former Warren Central standout Reed buys your second team left guard. And he has flashed in recent weeks. Beginning of camp, he was just kind of so-so. His camp went on, he got better. Not surprised to see him uh, make the two-deep chart. Your center, no surprise, LaQuinston Sharp, backed up by Stephen Lasoya. Now, Lasoya was originally recruited to be a tackle and compete at right tackle. He slides to guard and then eventually becomes your second-team center. And he's, again, gotten better as camp's gone along. Your right guard, an important battle here, won by Cole Smith. Now, Albert Reese is running second-team at both right guard and right tackle. Albert Reese began camp as a starting right tackle, and it looked like he was going to be able to hang on to it. It's not that he regressed. It's that other people also got better. And you had to find a spot for Cam Jones, who may be your, your most dependable and versatile offensive lineman. So Cole Smith, right guard, Cam Jones, right tackle. I love Cole Smith's game. I know that he is not the prototypical size for an SEC lineman. But this kid plays hard. And he loves Mississippi State, plays with a lot of passion, a lot of emotion. I'm a huge fan of Cole Smith. You know, he started out with center in 2020. Did a pretty good job. Had some issues, eventually moved to guard. And that may be where he plays long term. But the reality of it is Cole Smith back in your starting lineup. And I think, again, this kind of speaks to the fact that you've actually built a little depth here. All right, the wide receiver position is won by Rufus Harvey. Now, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I was not on the Rufus Harvey bandwagon two years ago. I wasn't. And I thought his size was a little bit of an issue 
And I tell you what, I was absolutely wrong. I, I will absolutely admit that today. I was absolutely wrong. Some of our Starville High School football fans on jeanspage.com really trumpeted the charge for Rufus Harvey. Joe Moorhead and those guys elected not to offer shortly after Leach and Steve Spurrier get here. They offer him. Rufus has been outstanding in camp. Absolutely outstanding. Your second team guy, Jaden Wally, and, or Scooby Ford. So Rufus Harvey beats out Jaden Wally as your starting wide receiver. Again, they're all going to play. Jaden's going to play a bunch too. But Rufus Harvey wins a very competitive battle as your wide receiver. The Z receiver, no surprise here, Caleb Ducking. And then behind him, a second teamer, is Anthony Harmon or Jordan Mosley. Again, all a play. But it's interesting to look now. Like if we had thought, talked about this, I don't know, a year ago, you're, you're starting four wide receivers, Caleb Ducking, Rufus Harvey, Ra-Ra Thomas, Austin Williams. I, you probably would have only picked Austin Williams, right? That just shows you the benefit of camp. Okay, let's look over on the defensive side of the football. I'm excited. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to NerdWallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let nerd wallets, trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice, or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tecovis does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours too. Be sure and check them out. Tecovis believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. 
Visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. excited about this group. I've told you guys that before. I think it's going to be a really good defense. Now, here's what the depth chart shows, but some of this is for entertainment purposes only. All right, defensive end Jordan Davis edges out DeMonte Russell. That has been back and forth throughout camp. That is good for this team. That is good for that position group. That is two very capable guys who are good after the quarterback. And I believe Jordan Davis, of course, has a new hunger and vigor after uh, having to sit out last year. DeMonte Russell has really flashed and come on, too. I'm excited to see what – I'm ready for you guys to see him. Uh, nose guard Cameron Young, really no surprise there. Cam Young, a lot of people telling me he is a mid-grade NFL prospect. So he'd be a mid-rounder, possibly third or fourth round uh, in the draft next summer. How cool that'd be, or next spring. Nathan Pickering running second team, and I think Pick's had his best camp of his career. This time last year, Pickering was uh, – you know, still kind of figuring some things out. You know, halftime he wasn't even involved in practice. But uh, he has had a really good camp. He looks to be in the best shape of his life. Defensive tackle, Jaden Crumity. That's your first-team guy, Randy Charlton, second. I don't expect Crumity to play this weekend. You know, maybe I'll be completely surprised. But, uh, you know, the rumor mill suggests that he will be unavailable for a few weeks, so we'll see how things progress. But uh, he is on the depth chart as the first-team defensive tackle. Randy Charlton, of course, uh, played a lot for us last year. You know what you got there in five. Sam linebacker Tyrus Wheat, no real surprise there. Second team Sherman Timms. And what a story Sherman Timms is. The guy that turned down other college offers to walk on at Mississippi State and live his dream. He comes here eventually, ends up on scholarship, and now he's a two-deeper in the SEC. Mike linebacker Buki Watson, and then behind him, J.P. Purvis. And J.P. appears to be healthy really for the first time since that terrible car accident that uh, we're very fortunate that those guys were able to uh, – you know, to kind of walk away from and still be able to play football. But J.P. has had a good camp. Not a prototypical linebacker, but when you see him out there running around, he looks a lot more like a linebacker than he did a safety. Will linebacker Jed Johnson, of course, uh, you know, the number one reason Aaron Burley transferred is because Jed Johnson won the job. And Jed has been a very consistent tackler. He's a very physical guy, a guy that grew up a bulldog. Not the least bit surprised to see Jed, one of the most productive tacklers in the Southeastern Conference. Second team will linebackers, Deshaun Page. Now, Matt Brock has told us on more than one occasion Deshaun Page was the most improved linebacker of the spring. That is carried over to the fall. That continues to get better. He missed some of the opening practices because he got a funeral in his family. Once he got out there and got his legs under him, he began to really flash. Now, again, I went into this fall camp worried about depth at linebacker. I feel better about it. I can't say I feel great about it, but I feel better about it. And one of the reasons why is because of Deshaun Page we got to keep that first team healthy, though. We really do. There's a reason they're running first team. Okay, cornerback Emmanuel Forbes, no shock there. What may surprise you a little bit, Asias Furge, second team on that side. It's Furge is almost like that, you know, it's like that, you know, that yard dog just kind of shows up at your house and it just keeps coming back and keeps coming back and keeps coming back. He, he doesn't bother anybody. He just kind of shows up out there and hangs out with your dogs and he eats the food. And next thing you know, he's like part of your family. That's kind of a size Furge, right? A size Furge is a guy who was kind of under-recruited out of Clarksdale High School. Um, a lot of people thought he might transfer, and he hadn't. He's going to finish his career out here at Mississippi State. And, uh, again, a guy that loves Mississippi State, a guy that kind of has embraced the fact that, hey, I'm going to be a special teams guy and be a reserve 
and uh, play second team. But uh, I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep coming. And congratulations to him. Starting safety, there's three of them. But uh, Jackie Matthews, of course, holding down his spot. Told you guys, he has been uh, one of the highlights of the defensive side of the football in camp. Really liked Jackie Matthews a lot. Second team behind him is Dylan Lawrence. Again, Dylan looks so good out there running around. You know, and with that catch ready, as he's a guy too, you, you better not get loose and fast with ball placement because he will get his hands on it. So Dylan Lawrence, again, we expect him to play a good bit too. Now, this strong safety spot, interesting. Colin Duncan, uh, much maligned by our fans many times on social media. And Colin you know, had some issues last year at times in coverage. I thought Ole Miss kind of picked on him a little bit. He wins the job out. We bring in all this competition for the portal, and then Colin Duncan still ends up winning the starting job over Sean Preston Jr. Again, both will play a lot. Both those guys are seniors. Uh, your dog safety, Jalen Green. There was a time there Corey Ellington had edged him out in practice. Jalen Green responded, retook the momentum there. Again, Ellington will play. I think Ellington's a guy, too, still kind of figuring some things out, kind of getting to know the checks and that kind of stuff. And so an incredible athlete. The other cornerback spot, and again, this has been a battle. We, we've watched all, all fall, but the Cameron Richardson has been number one throughout camp. At no point did he ever relinquish the starting position here. But Marcus Banks from Alabama, a transfer, has made it awfully interesting. He has really competed hard, and I think he's made the Cameron Richardson better. That's your two deep offense defense. Looking at the specialist, Massimo Biscardi is uh, your place kicker. Ben Rabin is uh, second. I suspect Ben will handle the longer field goals. And then there's Jordan Kennedy, a freshman that has also uh, also worked hard in camp. They've not named a starting punter, Archer Trafford and uh, George Gerapolis here. And so basically, here's what I expect to happen here: when we need the big, you know, 45-50 yarder. I think you go with George. When we need to kind of place it and kill it inside the 10, I think you go with Archer. Not that Archer can't hit those big tanks, but I'll tell you, there, there were times last year Archer Traf Trafford just kind of put it over there in the old coffin corner. And so if we're looking to negate, you know, return yards, I think you can use the combo here. I, I don't think it's necessarily one's better than the other. I, I just think that one maybe excels at one thing than, than the other. And, and a George... He's a big dude. I mean, not that Archer's not, but, um, you know, these guys are athletes. They're not just, you know, you know, years ago, you just kind of had the pudgy guy with the big foot. These guys can play. Archer Trafford, of course, from Air Force. Kickoff specialist has been Rabin. No surprise there. Massimo Biscardi and uh, Hudson Hollenbeck round out the depth chart there. Hudson, of course, a walk-on freshman. Your kick returners, LaDedrick Griffin and freshman Xavier Thomas. How about that? The, the true freshman, Xavion Thomas, didn't make it too deep, but it did make it as a kick return guy. We thought he may be a guy that would play some as a true freshman. And you just, you know, you look at the, the depth chart and you begin to wonder how crowded is this going to be. And there, some of these young freshmen have really flashed, these freshman receivers. So Xavion Thomas expected to uh, be a kick return by Fliston. He'll be in the rotation summit receiver too. All right, punt return, Austin Williams or Emmanuel Forbes. I think we basically utilized this like we did with Jaden Wally last year, right? Austin Williams, your sure-handed guy that can make the good fair catch, occasionally get you 8, 10 yards on a return. And then when you need a return, when you absolutely have to have somebody that can break something, Emmanuel Forbes. 
So Emmanuel Forbes basically taking that role of Jade Wally. And Jaden's a guy, too, to put a couple balls on the ground uh, last year. So we'll see what happens there. But, uh, again, Emmanuel Forbes, that's an, a change from last year. Hayes Hammond, Tuple High School, uh, the son of um, Trent Hammond, guys coach all over the state, wins the long snapper job. Not a big surprise there, but he wins it. And Rex Robich is uh, number two. And then your holder, ironically, both of them are punters, George Jeropoulos and then Archer Trafford. So that's your two-deep chart as we get ready to look ahead uh, to Memphis. And I think it's important. You know, we, we've talked about some of these position battles. Well, now it's over. Now we're in the game week. The two-deep is settled. And uh, we get kind of get ready to move forward here. Uh, no surprises, really, in my estimation here. Um, all of these, of course, we get to go to practice. You know, so you kind of see this beginning to kind of unfold. I, I would say the biggest surprise to me, if there is one, and, and it's not a huge surprise based on what we've seen in camp, but if you had told me July 1st that Rufus Harvey would beat out Jaden Wiley, that would be a little bit of a surprise. But I tell you what, Rufus has had a fantastic camp. Not that Jaden hadn't had a good camp. Rufus has been outstanding. And in the scrimmages, he has really flashed. So that's a name and number that you need to be familiar with. You know, last year, you're kind of like, okay, well, it's just, you know, he's out here. This is a kid that could have a big year. And, and again, I remember going back when during his senior year of high school, everybody was like pushing him and pushing him and pushing him. And I was kind of reluctant to get on the train. And then I saw him at Mississippi Alabama All-Star practices and saw how slippery he was and how he had the ability to get open. And I was like, you know what? These dudes are right. This kid can play. And now he's here. And I don't think he played enough last year. People forget in 2020. I mean, he got a little bit nicked up. And, um, you know, they had all that contact tracing stuff. So Rufus was kind of held out. And I don't know that he got the opportunities that maybe he deserved in 2020. Last year, I don't know that he was played enough. But look at this guy. He just keeps grinding, keeps working. And now he's got the job. So, it's going to be a new-look wide receiver core in many respects. Of course, you'll have your old uh, you know, notables that will be back. But the reality of it is is I think you've got a few more toys to play with here uh, if you're Will Rogers. And, uh, again, that defensive end spot between Jordan Davis and DeMonte Russell, I don't know how you could go wrong either way. I like both of those guys a lot. And, um, again, J.P. Purvis could be a guy – could really be a difference maker in some respects too. I mean, you know, we, we play that first-team unit a lot. But – J.P. Purvis, with his athleticism and his speed and now having some confidence in the fact that he's healed, that he could be a real difference maker for us as a second-team guy. He could save some wear and tear on Buki Watson, which I think is huge. Uh, so, again, a veteran group, too. When you st- and that's the thing, too. When I, when I look at this you know, depth chart on the defensive side of the football, the only underclassman, per se, that um, – are on the two deep. You know, J.P. Purvis, of course, he's technically a sophomore. But that guy's been in our program now for a few years. And then Corey Ellington. But you start running some numbers here. I mean, it's a grad for here. Grad transfer, excuse me, a graduate graduate here, redshirt junior there, redshirt senior here, senior there, graduate, fifth-year senior, senior, grad. I mean, you just run on that list. This is a veteran group that's played a lot of SEC snaps. And I won't bore you with running down the whole list. But – You've got a lot of guys that have a lot of Division I snaps under their belt. And that's the first time in a couple of years we've been able to say that. If the offense is only as good as it was last year, it's probably going to be a little bit of a disappointing year. Not to say that we won't win as many or more games as we did last year. 
I just think it's time for us to see this offense take the next step. I believe it's going to happen. I think especially with Will Rogers out there. I think, you know, Will is a dog, and I don't think he gets enough credit for that. You talk to his teammates, his, his teammates' opinion of him doesn't always necessarily reflect, reflect that of our fan base. They want that guy in the huddle. They trust that guy. They go to war with that guy. They know that Will Rogers is going to compete for them. So I'm eager to see this team on the field. But that's your two deep. And, uh, again, just kind of wanted to spell that out as we get into it because a lot of people are kind of like, hey, well, what's going on with so-and-so? And and it's interesting, too. I see a lot of people that put out, you know, their projections. And a lot of times you don't even have guys in the right positions. But, uh, you know, guys move around. And there's a lot lot of moving parts to this, especially on offense. I like our group. I like our team. I think it's going to be a good year. Could it be a great year? It could be. I mean, I'm not forecasting that, but it could be. Yeah, because, you know, the schedule is a little bit difficult, but uh, you know, it always is. We live in the Southeastern Conference Western Division. It, there's never going to be a year where you say the schedule just falls Mississippi State's way. You know, sometimes you hope you get your toss-up games at home and your sure loss is on the road. And it'd, it'd be nice if we could graduate to a point where we didn't look like that or think like that, right? But I think it's going to be a good year, and I, I'm excited to see you guys have a chance to see this team in person. So if you haven't done so, go buy your tickets from the Mississippi State ticket office, still available. And you got to come out. We're going to get a chance to see those balconies here in a couple of hours. We'll get a chance to tour those. We'll have Mike Leach uh, here a little bit later uh, in the afternoon. So that's your two deep. And, again, it's time to get fired up. And it's one thing, too. It's almost like all of a sudden people kind of woke up and said, hey, man, it's football season. You know, we ended last year on such a sour note. and Baseball didn't go the way we wanted. And I wrote an article about that uh, over the weekend. You know, we, after we beat Ole Miss, we thought, okay, we're, we're on track. We'll be a road regional somewhere. Guys, we won two more games the rest of the year. Went 2-13 and 13 down the stretch, and Ole Miss goes on to win an AFL championship. Crazy. And you'd have thought at that point when we beat Ole Miss, they were going to be making a coaching change at the end of the year. Life has a, a funny sense of humor at times. But, um, you know, now we've gotten through all that. Now it's time to kind of brush that aside and get ready for some football. And, I, and I, I've seen our fan base all of a sudden kind of get juiced up here. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, here we go. Here we go. And uh, we got Memphis coming in, and we owe those guys a couple knots on their head, and we're going to talk about them uh, after the top ten list. Uh, time for today's top ten list brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. Uh, here's the thing I've shared with you guys before. Blair is my friend. He recently celebrated a birthday, too. So when you talk to him, let him you know, wish him happy belated birthday. Guys, Blair Chandler is the guy that can make things happen for you. This guy's got 21 years of experience in the mortgage industry, works at Fairway Mortgage, one of the top mortgage lenders in America, in the known world, right? Those guys get things done. Blair has been in the top 1% close ratio in the country two years running. He has seen it all and done it all. Whether you be a non-conforming borrower with an atypical property, whatever you have, Chances are Blair has already seen it. You're not going to shock him. You don't have to be embarrassed. The guy's a professional. It's like some people say, well, you know, we've got, we had some issues. There's no need to explain. There's no need to explain. You just call Blair. You visit him at closeofblair.com. at C-L-O-S-E with Blair. Anonymity guaranteed, man. Satisfaction guaranteed. Hit him up at 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. If you, if you don't have time to write down a number, just DM me. I'll send it to you. I will. Blair is a great friend, doing a great job. Mention to him that you heard about him on the barnyard. He's going to pay for your appraisal. It's about a $500 value. How cool is that? Again, that's closedwithblair.com. 
All right, today's top 10 list, in honor of game week, we're doing game songs. How about that? Now, we're not doing the rapper, the game, who I think is an absolute joke and a clown. I'm not a big rap guy. I've, I listened to some of his stuff uh, recently because he, li- he likes to make all these comments about Eminem, who I think is one of, the, one of the best to ever do it. I won't say he is the best. But I think this guy, the game, is trying to kind of trade on Eminem's name. And, and, and I'm, I'm going to say it. You guys are scared to say it. Maybe because it's not, uh, maybe it's not friendly, but he's trash. He is. So no The Game songs on here. From the rap side. These are all going to be rock songs. And uh, I had to work at this one, guys, because there's not as many songs out there uh, about game, about the game. But um, but I did. And I'll tell you this. I'd love to be able to figure out that algorithm on, on iTunes. Like, used to, you could just go put, like, a word, and it would, like, pull up all the songs that have that word in it. Now it's just kind of like a select few. So I had to work at this. And so that tells me, too, there's some kind of conspiracy out there to support certain artists, and I, I'm not a big fan of that either. Uh, the whole point of that is to be able to search and find these songs and you know that, that you're looking for. And sometimes the things I'm looking for are a little more obscure. But here we go. And I didn't use Chris Isaac's Wicked Game either. And let me just say for the record here, and my 16-year-old self would... Um, would be proud of me for making this. The only reason that that song was popular, the only reason is because of the video. It's because you have this incredibly beautiful woman out there on the beach rolling around and, um, you know, hugging up on some dude that can, uh, with a two octave voice and a wife beater on. That's the only reason that game, that's not a great song. I mean, you said, well, Steve, I love this song. You know, if you had if you had only heard it on the radio and never watched the video, it's like that whole subliminal messaging type thing, right? You got this incredible, incredibly beautiful woman out there, and then it's like, oh, you know, wow. I'm telling you, you have been duped. It's not a good song. And there's a lot of songs too. Even some some of the songs from you know, my genres and the stuff that I really like, they kind of rode the wave of MTV and kind of had some mediocre stuff out there. And we fell for the visual imagery, right? All right, so no Chris Isaac, no The Game, no Michelle Branch, though I will give her a shout-out. She's had some personal problems here as of late at The Game of Love. I'm a Michelle Branch fan. I, I admit it. She's very, very talented. All right, number 10. We're going from uh, the Corn's The Paradigm Shift album. The Game is Over. That's number 10. The Game is Over. And we're just getting started, but... Uh, Great track. I'm a big Corn fan, as many of you guys know. Um, excited about some new stuff that's coming from those guys. Brian Head Welch, of course, uh, you know, got it's in recovery now and um, has spoke a lot consistently about um, you know his faith, and I think that's uh, it's very important for people in the rock community to do that. All right, number nine, another band, and uh, also kind of connected to recovery. Uh, it's a band called Bad Wolves. Now, they have made a change at singer. Tommy Vaxed was the singer. Tommy has left the band over some philosophical differences that not, don't really relate to music. He, you know, Tommy's a guy, too, that was very outspoken about his political views. They didn't align with the mission of the band. I don't know that it, it meant necessarily that the band disagreed with his views, but they didn't have his back, for sure. And uh, he got kind of caught up in the cancel culture a little bit. And the band basically just did not want to take a side politically. They wanted to be able to appeal to people on both sides of the aisle. And Tommy Vax just didn't. Tommy also a guy that works uh, in addiction counseling and things like that. 
He has a new solo album out called The Lone Wolf. Uh, there's a great tune on there called The War You Wanted. I absolutely love it. But we're going to go back uh, a couple albums here, and we're going to go with a song called uh, Crying Game, not the Boy George song. Crying Game from Bad Wolves is number nine. Number eight, a band that absolutely rocks. It's Disturbed. And it's the game. It's not the cover of the other one, the, the song. We're going to talk about that one later. But Disturbed and David Draymond. I'm a big David Draymond fan. David's another guy, too. Very, very open about his faith. Uh, in many respects, he is a devout Jew. That's why he doesn't have any tattoos. Right? Isn't that crazy? A rock star that doesn't have tattoos. Uh, Dave wants to be buried in a Jewish cemetery when he died. It, it, what's so crazy is like in the infancy of Twitter. Like, and Dave still responds to stuff, but... When Dave first got on Twitter, like he was like our friend. You could tweet him, and then like if he would be on a tour bus or just sitting around, he would respond. It was crazy. It's almost like he was our buddy, and he is our buddy. But uh, the guy, an incredible vocalist. My favorite Disturbed song is Stupefied, but the song The Game kind of fits our motif today. Kind of an industrial intro to that song, and then we get into it and it crunches. But uh, David Draymond, a great guy, great guy. Number seven. Anytime that we can work the Scorpions into a top 10 list, I think it's a great list. I think the Scorps, even though they have sold millions of records worldwide, I don't know that they have been given their proper due. And I, I mean that, at least in America. And maybe it's because of, uh, you know, maybe Klaus had that accent, and, then, you know, and he always looked like he had a hat head, right? He had the curly hair, but like his hair was always flat on top. Maybe, maybe people just didn't get down with that. I saw those guys in Biloxi with Crew and Laid Law. They were amazing. Love the Scorpions. And we're going to go back, I don't know, 20 years or so. Number seven on the list is Scorpions, When Passion Rules the Game. That's for you, Cole Smith. I love that song. I listened to uh, some Scorp yesterday. You should, too. Make Scorpions part of your daily life. Number six, making their top ten Boneyard list debut. Roy may correct me. He keeps up with all this stuff. But I believe this is the first time we've discussed this group. I, I did not like their initial single. We're talking about the Alan Parsons Project. I, I didn't like that song, The Eye in the Sky. I, I thought it was absolutely awful. It, I thought it was so bad. And they played it all the time. I want to say it even went to number one. It's, and it's so creepy. It's like, I'm the eye in the sky. I'm looking at you. You know, it's almost like it's a stalker-type song. You know, it's like now that we look at life a little differently, I don't know that that song even got on the radio. It was terrible. But they rebounded and had this great song called Games People Play. And uh, it's got a great keyboard uh, part on it. And uh, I love the vocal on it, too. So they kind of redeemed themselves. I mean, Alan Parsons Project, you made that then really because of, uh, of the Chicago Bulls. Because they're the ones that recorded that great opening track. Like when they walk out, you know, I can't remember the name of the song. But uh, was it 2001 Odyssey or something like that? Nevertheless, Alan Parsons Project Games People Play. Number five, we're going with Queen. And you can find this video on YouTube of a very healthy Freddie wearing a Flash Gordon shirt. And this is a song that kind of begins a little bit operatic, which is kind of a, you know, that's a characteristic of Queen and Freddie Mercury. But uh, the title track of a great album is called Play the Game. Everybody play the game of love. We're not going to be showing love to Memphis this week yet. But I wanted, again... We've got the Scorpions and Queen on this list. You kidding me? 
All right, number four, we're going to use a cover here because the cover is far superior to the original. And I know that I'm going to get some calls and texts about that from some of you old timers, and that's okay. You've got the right to be wrong in America. The song was originally recorded by Joe South, but Tesla on their Bust a Nut album recorded this album, this song, Games People Play. This is one of the most underappreciated songwriting masterpieces in American music. It absolutely is. I don't care if you prefer the Joe South version or the Tesla version. I, I think the Tesla version is far superior. I, I just don't think Joe was able to kind of carry the vocal range necessary to, to this song. The songwriting on this song is absolutely incredible. A, it, absolutely incredible. I, I'm going to share a couple lines with you because I love it so much. And I want to encourage you to go listen to this. Even if you, even if you don't listen to the list, you go pull this song up and check it out. So this, to me, this is absolute poetry, right? Well, the games people play now every night and every day now, never meaning what they say now, never saying what they mean. While they while away their hours in their ivory towers till they're covered up with flowers in the back of a black limousine. If that doesn't hunt, I don't know what will. That's, that is absolutely amazing. It's like you, sometimes you hear and see things in life and you say, man, I wish I'd wrote that. that. Those are the kind of things I think of and say, you know what? I don't know that I could have ever done that. It's just beautiful. It is. And it's very poignant and very profound. So enjoy that. Tesla's version of Joe South's original Games People Play. Number three, the hits just keep on coming. We're going with Foreigner here. We're going ahead games. Great album. Great great song. If, if you're not into Foreigner, I don't know that we could can be friends i mean honestly like if you don't at least have like a foreigner song on your on your phone i don't know that we can be friends foreigner an amazing band that i'm so glad that i was able to uh to live through that right to watch this meteoric rise from this incredible band but head games an underappreciated classic from foreigner a lot of people you know get caught up with you know the ballads and things like that and then you know feels like the first time and there's double vision and they're all bangers but i think head games is kind of a sneaky classic that doesn't get enough notoriety so we're happy to kind of pump it up for you today foreigner fans head games to me i thought the top two were, were very very easy we're putting this list together i wasn't quite sure of the order and so i listened to them again and i was like yeah this is the attitude that i want to portray today number two from the great American rock band, Kansas. It's played the game tonight. I used to have this on 45 because I'm from the 1900s. And so uh, I had it on 45. I remember where I was when I bought this thing. It was the old Walmart in uh, Columbia. And I went in and I had three bucks and I went and bought that 45 and I went home and played it nonstop. Like people talk about, oh, I've got this song on repeat. We had to actually get up, go walk across the room. And change that because I, I had a cheap record player. I wouldn't like you guys that you could just kind of set it to keep playing the same record. I was so in love with this song. The vocal is amazing. The crunch on this is amazing. It still holds up today. Like you can put it on right now. It doesn't have that industrial sound, but it's still absolutely rock. So Kansas. And think of, again, think about this, man. Kansas, Queen, Scorps, Tesla, Foreigner. You kidding me? What a great list. But number one. We don't talk wrestling on this show, but I'll tell you what. Triple H gave this song and this band kind of a renaissance of sorts. 
And, of course, we're talking about Motorhead. The song is The Game. It's time to play the game. You know what? That was his walkout entrance forever. It was a great tune before, but it was kind of, again, kind of filtered down a little bit. And all of a sudden, you had a new generation of people. And then, of course, there's Bow Down to the King. I think Triple H did an awful lot to Motorhead. And uh, talking to some friends in rock business here a couple weeks ago, we were all talking about Lemon Kilmeister and um, how sad it is that he's gone. And, and I don't know that Motorhead truly got enough notoriety in the States either. Uh, but the reality of it is, is uh, we're going to celebrate this music here on this show. And we're going to celebrate it at Rock Vegas. Again, I hope you can come out and, uh, and join us. But even if you can't, please buy a ticket and gift it to a student or maybe some friends of yours that uh, could use a night out on the town. It's going to be a great rock show. That's your top 10 list for today. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out and let me know. Better yet, hit Roy up on Twitter at Dogmatic67. He'll take your DM, right? Nothing, nothing weird about that. Nothing weird about dudes DMing dudes about rock music, right? Dogmatic67, D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7, and let them know your ideas. And that's guys, ladies, whatever. You know, Whoever you are, if you have an interest in music, send it in, and uh, we may just do your list on the air. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by the fine folks at Campus Bookmart. If you haven't been there, when you get to town, go by there and check those guys out. New renovated bully shop, all upstairs. Greatest selection of Mississippi State merchandise in the known world. Miss Kathy Brown doing a fabulous job there for a great fan base. Getting you guys the latest of Mississippi State merch right there on game day. Be sure and go by and see them. If you can't make it to town to see their smiling faces, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a Loyal Barnyard listener, We'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. All right, let's take a look at the Memphis Tigers. I'm ready to play this game, not just because it is the first game, because of we let that game get away last year. Let's take a quick look at, at Memphis last year. Uh, they go 6-6 six and six on the year. Absolutely terrible for us to lose at ball game. Uh, they get out to a 3-0 start last year, and they felt pretty good about life. They beat Nickel State 42-17. They go to Jonesboro, Arkansas, and win that game 55-50. And some of our fans are worried about them offensively. Uh, we shouldn't have been. We shouldn't have been. We lose 31-29. I'm not going to recap that game. The next week, they lose at home to UTSA 31-28. Uh, that began a three-game losing streak for them. The next week, they lost to Temple 34-31, and then at Tulsa 35-29. All those games very competitive. All five, or five of the first six games last year, very competitive games. They lose those three by one possession. Less than a touchdown. They bounce back and beat Navy 35-17. They lose in Orlando to Central Florida 24-7. They're off, then they beat SMU by three in Liberty Bowl. They lose in overtime to the ECU Pirates, 30-29. to uh, They go to Houston, get beat 31-13. They lose, they beat Tulane, excuse me, 33-28. So very competitive in all these games. They earned a bowl bid to go play in the Hawaii Bowl. That game was canceled uh, due to COVID. That was set to be played Christmas Eve. That game didn't happen. But if you look last year, nobody really b- blew Memphis out, which I think says a lot about, um, you know, that coaching staff up there. I guess, you know, that Houston game kind of got away from them 31-13. But every game was competitive. And 
I suspect this one will be for a while, and I think the Bulldogs will uh, will take charge there. But uh, the reality of it is, is six and six record could have been better, could have been worse. Let's take a quick look at the stats from last year too. Uh, offensively, this is a team that averaged uh, right under 300 yards a game passing. That's cool, right? They ran for 140 yards, so offensively 438 yards, 0.3 per game. Defensively, allowed 250 yards a game throwing and then allowed 169, nearly 170 yards a game rushing. Total offense allowed 419 yards per game. So there you go. Very susceptible to uh, the third and short, too. Give up a lot of first downs uh, via the run. Now, quarterback Seth Hennigan is back. Played in 11 games last year. Uh, 59.8% completion percentage, 3,322 yards, 25 touchdowns against eight picks. Emmanuel Forbes got his hands on one of those. So, uh, good effort for him. Peter Parrish, of course, uh, former Bulldog recruit. Played in one game, was 31 of 48. That's a game that uh, Hannigan missed last year. And Rodriguez Clark uh, played in 10 games, but um, only threw the one pass and completed it for a 40 yard completion and a touchdown. So there you go. So Seth Hannigan is back. They have high hopes for him. Kind of we'll see how things go. Also, a little bit of a running threat for him 147 yards uh, on, the, on the ground. Rodriguez Clark, of course, you, you remember him, right? Starville High School native. A lot of people thought we should have signed him. So running back, Brandon Thomas, is back from a year ago. He was the leading rusher, 116 carries, 669 yards, eight touchdowns. And he's back for a redshirt sophomore campaign. We'll see how things go. Rodriguez Clark, a senior this year, played back in 19. Uh, still has the COVID year available to him, too. So it would be interesting to see what he does. But he ran for 387 yards uh, last year, caught 11 passes, 59 yards for a touchdown. Scored five touchdowns, has eight career touchdowns. And in three seasons, the better part of three seasons, he has rushed for a combined 1,033 yards. Had a much bigger year in 2020 than the last year. Kind of uh, splitting carries more uh, last year. But they like to kind of run it by committee. They'll get a handful of guys involved in the running game there. Uh, defensively, J.J. Russell, former Mississippi State commitment, had a big game against us last year. Uh, he has now kind of moved on too. But uh, this is a team that will really miss him. J.J. Russell, 123 tackles last year. That, that is a very, that's a phenomenal, phenomenal year. Uh, he's already used his uh, five years of eligibility. They had the, uh, the COVID year, so he was back last year and had the best year of his career. The, the previous three years, it's interesting, he had exactly 58 tackles in all three. And then last year, uh, he more than doubles that. So great year for him and a guy that Mississippi State probably should have hung on to. I don't think there's any question. Uh, Quindell Johnson is back. It's a, it's a big strapping safety. He's back for a uh, fourth year. Had 104 tackles last year, second on the team. We'll see how things progress with him. Rodney Owens was a guy last year, too. Very productive guy for them. He's back for another year. Had 78 tackles. So you start running through the numbers here, and they do have some experience back on defense, despite the fact that uh, that J.J. Russell has moved on. 
Linebacker Xavier Collins is back. 69 tackles. That's nice. He's back. Greg Rubin, that's a guy, too, that State recruited. Didn't offer. Uh, but that's another guy, too, that uh, you know, had some ability. We'll see how he factors in this year. So, you know, again, they've, they've got some productivity back on defense. That's kind of the, the, the point I'm trying to illustrate here is that these are – this is a group that um, defensively, you know, may give us some, some issues, you know. Uh, Calvin Austin III, of course, he of the, uh, the ill-fated kick return is not there anymore. Glad that he's gone. He's an explosive player. He's a guy that had a big game against us, but uh, led them in receiving last year with 1,149 yards and eight touchdowns. He's gone. Uh, their second leading receiver from a year ago was a guy by the name of Sean Dykes, war number 11. He has also exhausted his eligibility, so he is gone. So you look at that wide receiver position. They've got to find a way uh, to get some production out of some guys that maybe were not star players last year. Jason Ivory is a guy that they have high hopes for. He had a decent year last year, 413 yards, 29 catches, and uh, three scores. Eddie Lewis, former uh, player from Rutgers, transferred to Memphis. He is expected to be uh, in their rotation and be a big part of things. So I throw those names out there to kind of get you somewhat familiar with this. But uh, they do return several pieces, and I'm sure they're going to be optimistic, you know, about the game. We'll kind of see how things progress with those guys as the season goes on. Uh, I'm glad we're getting them early, but uh, we need our defense to kind of get out there and, and set the tone early. Again, Hennigan was outstanding last year, but he won't have the same level of receivers to kind of uh, – to choose from new offensive coordinator Matt Barnes from Ohio State shows uh, that's on defense excuse me um so we'll see we'll see how things go uh just four starters back on defense but they appear to all be in the secondary all right let's look at this offensive stuff here we mentioned uh Hennigan there they do get they do get a couple other guys that uh transfer in that may be a bit of a factor you know, um, you know, we'll see how things go. They got a Northern Illinois running back to transfer it in, uh, Javen Ducker. So we'll see how that goes. But again, that, that kind of goes along with what they have. He was a Mac freshman of the year, ran for 1,184 yards last year. Anthony Miller, Calvin Austin third. Yeah, you know, that, they're gone, thank goodness. But uh, it's going to be a much different deal. Gabe Rogers, of course, would be a part of the thing, too. And then uh, Joseph Skates comes in from Iowa State. So that offense is uh, in transition and in need of playmakers. We could see more of a running attack from them, which I think kind of plays to our strengths. I think we're going to be really good, really good against the run. I mentioned Quindell Johnson earlier, uh, Rodney Owens, uh, Silvante Oliver. Those guys are taking advantage of a COVID year. They also got Syracuse transfer Jeffrey Canton Arku and Charlotte transfer Tyler Murray to come in. We'll see how things progress for those guys, too. While we're Delius Ducksworth and Cameron Jackson up front, I, I don't worry as much about the front. What is interesting, too, though, is uh, we start talking about flip and fill position. We struggled to do that last year. Uh, Joe Dole, a guy who was a really good uh, kicker, 46 yards per kick as a punter uh he's back and david kemp is a guy that um you know is a special it's really good for those guys too so 
you know, we'll see how things uh, go with these guys. This is not going to be, you look at and say, you know, our emotions get the better of us sometimes. And we say, well, we're Mississippi State. We should just run all over these guys. And, you know, theoretically, you're absolutely right. Historically, Mississippi State has won 33 of the 45 meetings. 33 and 12 is the record. Last year is the first time Mississippi State lost to Memphis since 1993. And that was a 45-35 barn burner of a game in Starkville. But after that game, State wins 17-6, 28-18, 31-10, 13-10. You remember that in 97? 14-6, 13-10, 17-3. All these games are very competitive. State gets after them in 2001, 30-10. But if you recall, that's a game that was tied for a while and we got loose late. We had a block punt that kind of allowed us to get a little separation. The next year, 29-17, then 35-27 in Starkville back in 2003. Not a lot to cheer about that year. In 2010, Dan Mullen gets after him 49-7 and 59-14, and then we lose last year. But this is a series that dates all the way back to 1951. Play these guys a lot of times. And for a while there, we didn't play them, and Ole Miss played them. They kind of became a rivalry game for Memphis. They always wanted to play Ole Miss. Ole Miss, of course, a big uh, alumni base there uh, in the greater Memphis area. But we should never lose to Memphis. And I'm just going to say that not out of arrogance, but the reality of it is the talent differential between an SEC team and Memphis should always be very substantial. Now, the transfer portal, of course, allows them to get some bounce-back guys to kind of neutralize some of that, some of that high school recruiting. A guy, with the exception of maybe Duke Calhoun, is not going to pick Memphis over an SEC program. But they may have out of the portal because of the fact that they're looking for an opportunity to play. They're looking for an opportunity to get on the field. And so they're going to have schools like Memphis and Southern Miss, I think they're going to have some guys that will maybe have power five ability that will play at the G5. But this is a game, obviously, that Mississippi State should win. We're playing at home. We should have won that game last year handily. We we kind of danced around a little bit. We had a a 10-point lead, a two-score lead. Emmanuel Forbes picks off a pass on the very first drive of the third quarter. We get inside the red zone and come away empty, and it kind of galvanized Memphis. It's like, okay, we're okay, we're okay. And then I think we begin to doubt ourselves a little bit, and then we didn't win. We should have won. We didn't. We didn't win. And that's the game of life. If Martin Emerson picks the football up and hands it to the back judge there, we're not even having this discussion because that stupid punt return never happens. You know, if we kick a field goal there, opening drive of the third quarter, we're not having this discussion because none of this stuff happens. But that was not about Memphis beating Mississippi State. That was about Mississippi State beating themselves. And I will die on that hill. It's not like, well, they just continued to get stops. Remember the opening drive of the game, Woody Marks, his lone fumble of the year, is picked up and run back for a touchdown. And now we're chasing the game. And despite that, we overcame that and had the two-score lead and thought we were going to put those guys away, and then we don't. So you have a fumble that leads to a scoop and score. You have that crazy punt return. You make a bad decision, not kick a field goal. You end up losing by two. Mississippi State absolutely outplayed them last year, but the reality of it is is the only thing that matters in the end is the final score. So they beat us. State's favored by more than two touchdowns in this game. I expect us to win and cover that. I also think they're going to have a tough time running the football against us which will ultimately lead to more possessions for us. I also think that there are some people within the uh, Leo Sill Jr. 
football complex that remember how things broke down last year. And so the chances of us overlooking Memphis are, are slim and none, not just because it's a season opener, but also, too, because of how things happened. Memphis scored 17 points in the fourth quarter last year. 17 points. We're up 17-7, to seven and we lose the second half. But if you go back and look at these numbers, it's pretty incredible. Think about this. All right, we had 26 first downs. They had 12. 12. We, we held them to 87 yards rushing and lost. Passing, Will Rogers, 419 yards. They threw for 159. Will was 50 of 67. Had a couple drops in there, had a couple misreads, but 50 of 67. They were 16 of 28. Total offense, Mississippi State, 468 yards, Memphis, 246. That's pretty crazy to think about too, right? That you outgain somebody and you nearly double their offensive output and you lose a game. Well, that's what happens when you give up non-offensive touchdowns and there were two in the game. It's crazy to think about that in hindsight. It's absolutely, absolute insanity to think about that. And that fourth quarter was absolutely wild, if you remember. And let's relive it just a little bit here, right? So our first drive of the fourth quarter, we punt, then we hold them to a punt. We punt again. We're trading punts here. And then uh, we give up the big punt return to Calvin Austin here, who returned it all the way down to the MSU 36, set those guys up. They score a touchdown that drive to go up 21-17, and all of a sudden uh, the first 48 fans were really, really excited. Still halfway to go in the game. We think, okay, we're good here. Everything is good, right? Nope. That's that ill-fated punt return that goes 94 yards for a touchdown to put Memphis up 28-17 with under six minutes to play. At this point, we are preparing ourselves to lose. The good thing is the Bulldogs didn't stop. We go back and score again. Will Rogers takes us down, hits Malik Heath for a touchdown. With right at three minutes to go, we ultimately go for two. We don't get it. And... Um, then we have the uh, the onside kick there. Thought we had it. They rule a block in the back on Sherman Thames. And so it's a 28-23 game with three minutes to play. We just got to get a stop here, right? Got to get a stop here. Uh, so they go down the field and get a field goal to make it 31-23. And again, Will Rogers doesn't quit. We go right down the field, two passes. One, the final one to Makai Polk for a touchdown. We go for two. Will Rogers comes up just short of the line there. And then that's not a called play. That's just Will kind of trying to make some things happen. So 31 to 29, and then they run the clock out. Onside kick is, uh, is covered, and the game is over. But 17 points in the fourth quarter. You give up 17 in the fourth quarter, unless you've got a substantial lead, you generally lose. And that was the case last year. So I think we'll be ready to go. I think we'll be excited about uh, the game. I think we'll be excited to be back in Davis Wade Stadium. I think we'll be excited to be back on the field. And I think getting Memphis early is probably good. I think it will motivate us to come out uh, ready to play. But uh, again, this is a game. You know, we, again, we get we get down seven nothing, and then we battle back. And the next thing you know, it's seventeen to seven at the half. We have a chance to put those guys away, and we don't. And they weren't able to do anything offensively, absolutely anything offensively in that first half. We basically gifted them that touchdown. 
And that's the thing you begin to think about. If it's 17 nothing at the half, and then they come out there and throw that pick, and you end up kicking that field goal and go up 20 to nothing. Not that the field goals were ever a foregone conclusion for Mississippi State. You just feel like you're in a good position. But instead, that third quarter, we let them kind of take control. They get that they, they cut it to 17-14, and then back-to-back touchdowns on two different possessions. You know, the the touchdown after the long punt return, and then the touchdown punt return basically put state state goes from up two scores to down two scores in just a matter of minutes. And then the fourth quarter, you kind of what we did with Louisiana Tech. You know, we, we make the big furious run there at the end. We just couldn't couldn't get it together there in the end. Just could not get it together. So we'll see what happens in this ball game. Again, I expect State to win. We'll talk more about the weekend uh, on Friday's show, kind of preview the, what is to come. Of course, the SEC picks up their first win of the college football season over the weekend. And I was wrong about this. We give Vanderbilt some credit. And if you're all Miss, maybe you should already start praying. Vanderbilt offensively looked outstanding with Mike Wright at quarterback. I, I thought Hawaii would win that game. And it's funny to go back and look at all the tweets and the hot takes. Hawaii goes right down and scores. And everybody thinks, man, Hawaii's fixing to blow Vanderbilt out. And then the next thing you know, Vanderbilt has a historic win. The most points scored against an FBS opponent in, you know, what, 70 years? Something ridiculous like that. It's crazy to think about that. So, good for Vandy. You know, and I think that's uh, maybe if you're Missouri, South Carolina, or Ole Miss, maybe you you take a quick look at that. It's like you look at this Vanderbilt schedule, too. We talked about how it's, you know, SEC schedule is going to be tough for them. They're going to have to find a way, you know, to win these non-conference games. Well, they beat Hawaii. They got Elon this weekend. Vandy's going to be 2-0 and when Wake Forest comes to town on September 10th. We'll be in Arizona that weekend. And then it's Northern Illinois. If they can find a way to beat Wake, I'm not saying they can, or not saying they will, they could be 4-0. How about that? That's crazy to think about. That Wake game's going to be awfully tough for them, though. It just is. It just is. It's a Power 5 team, even though they get them at home. But, uh, you know, maybe they'll get 20,000 people to come to the game and and have a, you know, have a raucous atmosphere there in Nashville. So much to do in Nashville. I don't think a Vanderbilt football game is, is high on the list. But uh, all time in this series between Vandy and Wake Forest, Vandy leads 10-6. to 6. Vandy has won three in a row in the series against the Deacons, the Demon Deeks. Did you know that? Now, of course, that comes on the heels of uh, a three-game winning streak from Wake Forest there in the, uh, you know, the 2000s to 2010. But uh, – so that could shape up to be a barn burner of a ball game for the Commodores. But just imagine for a second, if they start out 4-0, and the kind of juice that they'll have within that fan base, and then they'll lose to Alabama, and then they welcome Ole Miss. They could be a, they could be a 4-1 and Vanderbilt team. All of a sudden, you know, all, you start thinking, man, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But, um, you know, Ole Miss going up there, a team that feels pretty good about life, and an Ole Miss team is still trying to figure some things out, a quarterback. I don't know. I don't know. That's the thing. It's like we look at these games sometimes, you know, weeks and months ahead of time, and you think, oh, they'll win that game. By the time we get there, we may have talked ourselves into thinking Vanderbilt can win. It's a possibility. So, again, congratulations to Commodore fans everywhere for a big win, 63-10 to 10 winners over Hawaii. And, I, and I, to be honest with you, I, I never saw this coming. 
there was always a possibility Vanderbilt would win. They were an eight-point favorite, right? But the reality of it is, is Vanderbilt absolutely mopped up the floor. 601 yards of offense for Vanderbilt. Now, they gave up 358, but they kept them out of the end zone. 197 yards passing, and then 404 yards rushing. That is amazing. And then, you know, of course, over the course of the game, people are like, well, you know, Hawaii may be the worst team in, in FBS, and maybe they are. But Mike Wright, a superstar on that night, 146 yards passing, two touchdowns, 13 carries for 163 yards and two touchdowns, and that 87-yarder was absolutely amazing. If you haven't seen it, maybe you should check it out. Talk about a guy with some foot speed. So congratulations, Vanderbilt. And again, I don't think they win more than three games or so. But interesting, you never know. That's why we play the games, right? That's why we play the games. You just simply never know what's going to happen. I mean, who would have thought we'd lost to Memphis last year? Well, I guess there were some Bulldog fans. There were some who were like, oh, we're going to lose to them. I mean, it's like it then becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy. We're going to lose to them to make us feel better, you know? It's like, well, I told you so. I told you so. And there are a lot of people out there that do that. There are a lot of people, it's like a coping mechanism. It's like, I want to tell you, let me forecast failure. That way I win no matter how it goes, because if we win, I'm happy we won. And if we lose, I'm happy I can say, I told you so. I think belief is a wonderful thing. I believe in this team. I don't think we're a great team. I think we could have some great moments this year. I think we could surprise some people. I think it's a solid bowl team, and I think you're going to see that on uh, Saturday. But uh, like all of you, I'd love to be able to get an early lead and kind of be able to settle in and not have to worry about anything freaky happening. That's what, like, last year. Yeah, I don't know that they have the same, you know, firepower offensively. But, uh, you know, they're going to have a veteran quarterback, a guy coming back that had a big year under his belt. We got to confuse him. We got to get in his head. We got to get Zach Arnett to turn those guys loose and maybe force some turnovers to give the offense a short side of the field. But, uh, you know, this, was, this Memphis defense was not great last year. But this is a team, obviously, that uh, has the competitive gene. We talked about, you know, they only had the one game at Houston that got away from those guys. But they're going to come out and compete. And they're not going to quit. You're going to have to beat them in a submission. Am I expecting a 30, 40-point win? I'm not. I'll be surprised if that happens. But I do think State wins the game rather comfortably. I think, I think State will take charge there in the second half. And, again, this is a defensive unit that's relying a lot on transfers. So there's going to be a lot of communication. you get got a first-year coordinator. So there's going to be some bust. There's going to be some situations where guys don't fit gaps the right way. we got to take advantage of that. It's not an experienced defense and certainly not within that scheme. So we've got to go out there and really attack them you know, one of the things that I think about, too, is, you know, games like this, a lot of times special teams are a big part of it, as we saw last year. One of the first things that I look for when I watch, the, I look at these teams and look at these statistics and I'm preparing for the show, as I think about the Tula Griffin factor. All right, so Noah, Noah Grant last year had 69 kickoff attempts. 35 of them were touchbacks. So that means about half of them were returnable. And so that's the thing I think about with Tulu is if one out of every other kick is returnable, does that give him a chance to put an impact on the game? I wouldn't rule that out. Now, Noah Grant obviously may be a little bit stronger this year, but we may have some returnable kicks. 
And so that's something you always kind of have to factor in. It's kind of a bonus thing. Like, okay, worst case scenario, we're starting at 25. But how many times will that ball come short of the goal line and we have a chance to break it out, maybe 30-35, and to the very least be able to put ourselves in a position, you know, with our punters to flip the field? Those are the things that I think are awfully interesting, kind of the game within the game. And how many people are going to kick the Tula Griffin? You know, down the stretch, very few did because he is a guy that can absolutely slaughter you. If you don't, you miss a tackle, it's six. And we've seen it over and over and over again. And how great would it be to open up the year with a big return to kind of get the offense started? So just something to kind of monitor as we get ready to go. Not that Noah Grant's not a good kicker. I'm not trying to suggest that at all. But they didn't always uh, get that touchback, you know, maybe perhaps when they were working for it. And how many of those two were fair catches, right? How many of those? Because, you know, that's how it works now, right? The ball doesn't always make the end zone. You may have somebody fair catch it inside the 20, and you get the touchback there. So is that a part of the equation too? So we'll see how Noah Grant handles that and how the Memphis staff approaches to Lou Griffin. That'd be big. I'm always look at those stats because we've had some games last year and you look at, either the, oh, they got one or two touchbacks on the year. Well, that means we got a chance to, to return a big kick, and we got one of the better kick returners in the country. And the fact that he wasn't preseason All-SEC is an absolute joke, and it's an indictment on the SEC media for not doing their homework. Tulu Griffin is a game-breaker. So I hope we get the opportunity uh, to return some kicks. And hopefully they're only kicking off once, right? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Don't expect that. But uh, it would be nice if we could uh, limit their, their kickoff attempts, but when they do, make them pay for it. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by Portico. You guys know Portico. I've talked about it many times. Very easy to get to. It's incredibly close to Mississippi State's campus, but far enough away for convenience, just 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. You take that turn off, 82 on the 12. The very first right is Pat Station Road. You go to the four-way stop, and then boom, there's Portico. Now, you can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home. You can go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home, phase two, now under, under construction. Phase one, completely sold out. Been that way for a while. There's 10 homes being built for phase two. Many of those have already been purchased, but there's still room for you to get on board. Or maybe you're thinking, you know what, see, we want to do this, but we're not in any hurry. You can reach out to those guys, and you can get a chance to pick out your plans and your lot and kind of move forward with that. How cool would that be? Everybody deserves that every chance they get, you know, a chance to uh, have some say in every bit of that. So here's what you do. You call our friend, my friend, your friend, everybody's friend, Brooks Bryan, at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Guys, it's not old hat. Many of you have thought about, I'd love to have a place in Starkville. Maybe it's a part-time residence for us. Maybe it's our full-time residence at some point. What would be better than being that close to campus? And again, you're tucked away in the neighborhood, so you're not, you know, you're right out there in traffic. You're not in the middle of all the, you know, you're not on the business side of 12. You're on the residential side of, uh, of campus. And they've got that new neighborhood market out there for you, too. Makes it easy, you know. Hey, instead of you having to go fight all that traffic and craziness of the regular Walmart, you can just run over there to the neighborhood market and get you a loaf of bread, a stick of butter, and a container of milk. There you go. Be sure to check them out today. Make Portico your next move all right i shared with you guys late last week i had a chance to visit with uh, coach chris Lamonas. and anytime that i have a chance to sit across the desk from chris it's always a good time there's always good information and uh, i think chris is a guy too that 
you know, he, Chris gets it. That's one thing that I think is important. Like when I sit there and talk to Chris there, he understands this is a destination job. He understands this fan base, this administration's commitment to baseball. Chris is also committed to the game of baseball, not just his own personal success. Chris wants to play good baseball, and he believes Mississippi State should always be in the mix for a top eight national seat. I've never, ever heard Chris say, well, you know, maybe we'll make tournament this year. Every year, the goal is to make a top eight national seat and get to Omaha. And I think that matches our expectations. That's the program we kind of envision ourselves to be. You know, we want to be what LSU was in the 90s, right? I mean, and let's be honest about it. I mean, as much as we despise, you know, losing to those guys, I mean, there's still some ground for us to make up. Now, I, I wouldn't say right now that LSU was a better program than Mississippi State the last few years. I think we would all agree Mississippi State's had the better of things. But even in some good years, we've lost to LSU. But we want to have that run. We want to kind of put some things together. We're consistently in the mix. We're expected to host every year. We're expected to be in the mix for a Super Regional. And talking to Chris, my feelings about his aspirations for this program continue to be renewed. Hearing him talk about these portal transfers and about this this incoming class, and I think sometimes we emphasize the portal within our own minds maybe a little more than we should, not to say that they're not going to be impactful guys. They absolutely are. But I think sometimes we maybe undersell the fact that we've got one of the top recruiting classes in America coming in. Now, we don't want to have to rely on a lot of freshmen this year, but there are going to be some pieces that maybe kind of plug and play every now and again that make a contribution that will get their feet wet and kind of enable them to be you know, stars for us in the future. But if I had to pick a lineup today, I suspect that Connor Isaac is going to be your left fielder. Now, that again, fall baseball is about to start. He's going to have to go out and win that job. You know, Colton Ledbetter, you know, the, the goal is now, Lamona said himself, is, you know, we got to see if he can play center. We know what he can do offensively. He was the MVP of his summer league. He was the best offensive player at Sanford last year. We know what we have with him. That guy's a, a difference maker. And then Kellum Clark out there and right. And, uh, you know, Kellum's a guy, too, that you – know, the thing I think about is what is he going to do with, with a little more power around him. We struggled at times last year to hit for power. You know, Callum had a good year. Wasn't a great year, had a good year. But I, I think we're going to see him take a jump this year. I think he will benefit from having more power bats in the lineup. Because you pitch around him, there's going to be some guys behind him that can make you pay. Third base, I think it's absolutely Slate offered. I mean, I think it's his job to lose. He had a tremendous summer. I think we all feel great about that. He could be a double-digit home run guy. Elaine Forsythe, again, one of the best defensive shortstops in college baseball. I'll die on that hill. And I have people that want to engage me from time to time. And, and then all of a sudden they mention, well, offensively, what, you know, what he had 70 points higher last year. He had 270 last year. Are you kidding me? If I can get 275 from that guy, the way that he plays defense, I'm thrilled. I don't need everybody to be a double-digit home run guy. And that's not in Lane's wheelhouse. That kid is exceptionally skilled defensively. And I think a lot of our fans sometimes just don't appreciate that. Do you not remember all those years that we you know, we had guys out there just kind of beating the ball on the ground, throwing it away? I mean, listen, we've, we've never had just bad shortstops. But Lane Forsythe defensively is one of the better guys to put on the uniform defensively. Now, could he be a little bit better offensively? You start thinking, well, now if he could hit 290, my goodness, where would we be? And now people say, well, Steve, look at his RBI numbers. Guys, he's hit ninth. He's hit ninth. 
How much run production do you expect from a nine-hole hitter? Maybe I see baseball a little differently than you do. Second base, it's Imani Larry's job to lose, and Chris mentioned that uh, he is a leadoff candidate. This is a guy that can really run, has the ability to probably get you 25 bags a game, but also, too, this is a guy that is a threat, a threat at first base. When he gets on base, it's not, okay, let's just kind of nonchalant it over there to keep him close and go through the motions. This is a guy that can change a game for you. Also, probably a double-digit home run guy. Just made a handful of errors last year. And he is a second baseman, doesn't have the arm strength to kind of play across the infield, and that's okay. And then Hunter Hines, of course, your first baseman. You know know what you've got with him offensively. Luke Hancock goes behind the plate. You know, Luke, again, has hit double-digit home runs before. So when you start running through this, Connor Hyzak hit a dozen bombs last year, double-digit guy. Colton Ledbetter, double-digit guy. Kellum Clark, double-digit guy. Slate Offord had a huge summer, could be a double-digit guy. Lane's not going to do that. That's okay. We don't need him to. Amani Larry could be a double-digit guy. Hunter Hines will certainly be a double-digit guy, and Luke could be a double-digit guy. You start running through that, we haven't even factored in a DH yet, and you think about the power potential of this team. Offensively, we're going to be a team that can turn things around very, very quickly. And these are not guys that are just, you know, showing up and it's going to take them a while to acclimate. I mean, these are guys that have played against Power 5 competition. And everybody's got a star pitcher. Everybody. I thought an interesting statistic that uh, Lamona shared is that Imani Larry hit like 450 against fastballs, 91 and faster. you kidding me? 450? And in this league, we talk about hunting the fastball. He fits what we want to do philosophically. There's no question about that. That is all very exciting to think about. So I shared that with you because I think it's important. You know, we're kind of ready to move into football season, but fall baseball is about to approach too. And uh, we'll get a roster here in the coming days. And uh, I'm expecting Brandon Smith to not be on it. Uh, I've heard that uh, he was moving on with baseball and uh, just kind of ready to get on with life. And I, and I hate that because I think Brandon's a guy that could probably be an interesting piece for us. But uh, – we appreciate Brandon Smith's contributions to Mississippi State baseball if he doesn't come back. And, uh, again, once we get the roster, we'll kind of know for sure. Uh, you know, there was some talk of Drew McGowan may just be a student and then go on to grad school. You know, not exactly sure. And uh, I probably should have asked on Friday, but I was kind of focused on this portal class. And uh, Chris had some other things we, we wanted to talk about. But uh, I'm getting excited about the team. And, again, that's about five months away. But we'll have some fall baseball reports over at jeanspage.com. Uh, when you guys have an opportunity to go read that stuff. And, and we, we're not just going to go all in football. You know, we're going we're gonna to cover everything. You know, we got Stephen Ross over there uh, writing some SEC basketball stories for us. And uh, Paul Jones is clamoring to go on men's basketball. And, again, I think this Chris Jans thing is going to work out for us long term. Are we going to be a great team this year? I, I don't expect that. I do think that we're going to be a good team that plays with effort. And I think that we're a team that's probably a solid NIT team this year. Maybe if we get some help somewhere, maybe a bubble team for the tournament. And we've kind of lived on the bubble or really the backside of the bubble for the last handful of years. But I think Chris Jance is going to bring an exciting brand of basketball. And in Sam Purcell, like people always ask, you know, who do you think is more likely to make the tournament? I think it's the women. You know, the women were projected to make it down the stretch and just ran out of juice last year. You just didn't have a roster. I mean, you had so many players that were hurt and banged up, and our ladies played with so much passion and conviction. They inspired a lot of people, uh, to say the least. And so now that you've got Sam here and you have the full complement of a roster, 
you know, I think there's a good chance that this uh, ladies basketball team could be very, very good. Um, now, are they a host team? Probably not. But I think we make the tournament this year. So we've got a lot to think about this academic school year, you know, and it all starts this weekend with Mississippi State opening up its football season with Memphis. And so I don't know what your expectations are, uh, but let me encourage you, you know, let's kind of keep an open mind here because things change in the SEC West rather quickly. There are injuries out there sometimes to us, sometimes to other people, but we're just going to go a game at a time, and it doesn't matter what we do or say, but this Mississippi State football team, and I went to all but with two practices, I guess, that we were able to go to, I like our team. I like our team. People always say, well, Steve, what are you most worried about? Well, there were three things that I was worried about going into fall camp. What does safety play look like? Really good. Depth at linebacker, and I think we've achieved that. I don't think it's great. I think it's good. I think it's adequate. I think it's serviceable. And then offensive line play. And, you know, that's – I can't say I feel great about it, but I do feel better about it after watching them in practice. And I think Dollar Bill Johnson has, has held his own, and I think you guys are going to be proud of him. That's not to say there won't be some growing pains. And then there will be some, you know, some smarmy, smart aleck will tweet out, oh, I sure miss Charles Cross. I mean, you know, we'll get up a sack or something. It's going to be part of the deal. Well, Charles is gone. And uh, let's support who we are uh, and kind of move forward with this team. I think, again, I think it's going to be a season you're going to be happy with. It's not going to – we're not going to Atlanta. I mean, barring something totally unforeseen. But we're going to be a solid bowl team. I don't like last this time last year we were counting games trying to chase bowl eligibility. I think this year we feel confident enough that we should that should be a given that we should be a bowl team for sure. Uh, you dropped that Memphis game last year and you knew we were going to be chasing the rest of the year. That's why it's so important too. And again, this is going to be a game Memphis team. You know, I don't think they can hold up long term. But you know, again, we helped them last year and gave them two touchdowns in a ball game that we lost by two points. And if we go out there and take care of business and play clean, and that's, that's the real story for Mississippi State offensively this year, is you guys go play clean. Don't get a lot of pre-snap penalties. Don't get a lot of, you know, first and 25s. You know, don't get behind the chains. Sometimes it's going to happen over the flow of a game. But you got to limit that. That's one of the things that hurt us last year. And when, you know, this offense is explosive at times, and you can make those plays, and you can get things – kind of moving in the right direction. But the reality of it is, is Mississippi State can't beat themselves. We just got to go out there and play our game. If somebody beats us, if somebody's just better than us, you know, we're willing to accept that the reality of life. But what we can accept is going out there beating ourselves. And that's what we did last year against Memphis. We did that against Arkansas. And to a certain respect, we did it against Ole Miss. But, I, again, I give Ole Miss a lot of credit. They were a better football team than us last year. And – down the stretch, Matt Corral won that football game. You're probably tired of me saying that, but that's the reality of it. I'm not going to sit here and act like we got cheated in the game. They were better than us. They played better than us. And if you need evidence of that, remember the fact that we dropped three consecutive touchdown passes and then miss a field goal. That's losing football. You can't play losing football and expect to win a game that's so hotly contested as the Egg Bowl. That's just the reality of life. So this year we got to go out there and play clean. You've got to eliminate the drops, eliminate these unnecessary penalties. And, and, again, this is not a young team. You, you expect some up and down with a young football team. We are not a young football team. We are a veteran team where just about everybody across the board has two years of starting experience. You've got some guys like Caleb Ducking and, you know, Rufus Warren that have been in your system a little bit. They're going to get their first time to get some substantial playing time. How do they handle that? Well, we'll see. But I think you get a couple of games and get some confidence under their belt, and I think you're going to feel really good about life. And, and again, I think probably the most under 
appreciated part of this offense is the strength of this running back room. I think that will be a very dynamic group, and I think that's going to be probably a difference maker for this team. And, again, you've got two years of experience now with Woody and DJ. So I, I think, hey, they're going to catch a bunch of balls, but also, too, I think we're going to run it a little bit more. We're not going to be balanced. But we're going to run it a little bit more. And I think some of that, too, is the maturation of Will Rogers, kind of seeing what the defense is doing, what the defense is giving him. Because sometimes, you know, these guys will disguise coverages and they'll bait you into a call. And then you kind of you check yourself out of a good play into a bad play. And a lot of it's just people trying to confuse you. I think now that Will has seen it all and done it all, you know, Will's going to do a great job with every bit of that. Kind of helps growing up a coach's kid, right? Kind of helps because uh, he's got a, a high football IQ. And now that he's seen how SEC defenses want to attack us, he's not going to be surprised by that stuff. Occasionally, people are going to get you. I mean, that's just kind of the nature of competition. But I think Will will be, I hate to say leaps and bounds better than last year because he was really good last year. But I think you're going to see a step in that direction, you know, with Will, you know, with checks and things like that. I think now he kind of sees, he's seen it up close and personal. So that's something to be mindful of. Remind you guys, too, uh, if you want to come to Rock Vegas, and I hope you will, and I'm not going to sit here and beg you because uh, I think, you know, now that tickets are on sale, we still got four weeks before the show, we do expect to sell out. We've had a great start to ticket sales. But if you want to support the show, whether you can be there or not, just buy some tickets and donate them to students. You know, if you need help with that, we can help you with that. You can hit me up. Hey, say, Steve, I bought two tickets, and we want to, you know, we want to give them to students. And I, I, as we get closer to the show, we'll do that. We'll help you with that. We want you to be able to give and be a part of this. And then some people say, you know, Steve, I'm not a rock fan, or I don't know these bands. You know, that's cool, too. The money is going for the betterment of Mississippi State student-athletes. This is not necessarily about you supporting a band you don't know. We've already gotten them paid. That's all taken care of, right? Every dime that you spend, you get a little processing fee, of course, when you buy a ticket. But every ticket, the full value of every ticket is going to the Bulldog Initiative, which in turn goes to your players. So we talk about all this stuff. You read about all these things, and now it's time to do your turn. You know, Maybe you're not a person that can write a big check for $1,000, but you can buy a couple concert tickets. And the most expensive tickets have already been purchased, right? Mezzanine level completely sold out. So you can buy a couple floor tickets, and maybe you come to the show. Maybe you don't. Maybe you, you, maybe you hit me up on the Twitters and say, hey, Steve, I – I just want to contribute to the show, and I want a couple of college students to maybe be able to go to the show, and we'll pay for it. So if that's what you're thinking, let's go ahead and get that done, okay? Because, again, I'm eager for this thing to sell out uh, just because, in fact, I don't want to have to spend the next four months promoting the show. It's football season, right? But we're going to have a great time. We're going to have a great night. You should come out and join that. And everywhere I've gone, I was in, I was in Fondra, and I went to go eat at uh, Highball Lane's and uh, have some gumbo there. It was outstanding there in Fondren. I love going up there. Uh, passing through, and some people and I were talking tattoos. The next thing you know, I tell them that we're bringing Lillian Axe to Starkville for the first time ever. Come to find out, one of the ladies there was a huge Lillian Axe fan when she was in uh, college and high school. And all three of those people bought tickets right then and there. So word is just getting out. Tickets just went on sale Friday. So things are just kind of getting rolling. But let me encourage you, please don't wait. Please don't wait. If you're thinking about coming, if you're on the fence about coming, go ahead and buy the tickets. And we're just talking 40 bucks. And so if you end up having to eat the ticket or donate the ticket, it's not like you're going to be out a lot of money. 
But again, this is something that we're doing. We're trying to bring something amazing to Starkville, something fun to Starkville. We're trying to help re-energize the rock scene in Mississippi. That's why we're bringing two up-and-coming young Mississippi bands to share the bill with Lillian Axe, who was in many respects the godfathers of Mississippi State rock music uh, in my generation. So I'm just going to ask you, if you believe in me, if you believe in rock and roll, if you believe in Mississippi State, buy some tickets. Even if you're not going to come to the show, buy some tickets. And then if you decide you don't want to go, you hit me up, and I'll make sure those tickets get into the hands of some Mississippi State students that could have a good time. And you know what? They need to experience Lillian Axe, too. All right, uh, if you haven't done so, go to uh, dogpilethebook.com, and you can get signed copies of all my sports books. Please do that, too. Uh, People always say, Steve, I want to support you. That's a good way to do it. Subscribe to genespage.com or buy some books, and many of you have already done both. And I thank you for that. I appreciate that more than I can possibly say. If you're looking for Bloomsville Leander, you can find it. Matter of fact, it's, they're running it at a big discount right now because you're a little bit overstocked. That's, I, I'm happy. Just go buy it. I, they've already bought the books from, from my publisher, so I've already been paid. So I don't care what they sell it for, but uh, you can get it at a pretty big discount right now at uh, Amazon.com. And if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, and you certainly should be, go to StarkVillains.com. All right, let's get out of here. i got to get dressed and get to town, and uh, we're going to go uh, check things out, and we're going to talk to Mike Leach. And have him preview the uh, the Memphis Tigers, and you know, there'll be no opening statement, and he's gonna you know, he's gonna talk down, talk about uh, you know revenge and things like that. He's not gonna talk about injuries. So be prepared for that. But um, you know, we've got the two deep in front of us now, so we kind of have an idea how Mississippi State's gonna staff the field. That's it for today, man. You guys enjoy your week. We'll and look forward. Everybody that's coming to Starkville, we cannot wait for you to get here this weekend. I mean, you guys bring so much energy to town. I don't mind the traffic when you guys are here because I know you're spending money with local vendors and I know you're there to support Mississippi State. You are my people. And so when you come up here, it's like a family reunion. And so uh, real quickly, too, before I get out of here, we uh, many of you guys uh, like to come and shop and that sort of stuff and kind of be around, uh, around town. Friday evening, I'm signing books 4 to 6 at Bookmart and Cafe in Starkville. Friday evening, 4 to 6, and then i got to hit the road and go see a show. And then I'll be back for the game. Saturday, Campus Bookmart signing 2 to 4. And, of course, the big grand uh, reopening, the renovated reopening there. So if you're looking to come see me, that's where I'll be. And you just never know. On Saturday, I may be walking around. I may stop at your tailgate and uh, steal some of your nachos. Right? I'm sure I'd be welcome, right? We're all one big happy family. Again, buy some concert tickets. Sales are going well, but I'm eager to get this thing done. And I want Lillian Axe, too, to be able to announce this as a sellout to kind of help them uh, with the other promoters as they're booking shows. I think, again, it, it shows the new album is dropped. And so everybody benefits from you buying tickets, right? Starville benefits, Mississippi State benefits, our student athletes benefits, the band benefits. The rock scene in Mississippi benefits. And also, too, I want to bring more shows like this to Starkville. Uh, and, we're, and we're looking to do some bigger things next year for the same cause. And so I need you guys to really get behind this and really help me with this. And so I'm asking you as a personal favor, please support the show, whether you're a rock fan or not. If you're a country music fan, a rap fan, whatever, buy a ticket. If you don't want to go, send it to me, and I'll make sure somebody goes and has a great time. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.